Hello, my name is Daryl Root, and this is News Folder 19. At least 19 minutes of common sense, sarcasm, and sometimes even actual brain power. I condemn socialist policy on a regular basis while encouraging that of American self-responsibility, something that seems to be in short supply. Today I have three stories on what I like to call America the Beggar Nation. But before I get to that, please don't forget to support this podcast. There are numerous ways to do so. First, subscribe to whatever platform you're listening to this on. Second, Spread the word about my podcast. Tell your friends about it. Tell people who you think would be interested about it. And third, go to newsfolder19.com slash support. That's newsfolder19.com slash support. There you will find links to donate, buy merchandise, and more. With that said, let's get right into the stories. New story number one. Some U.S. allies are worried that a Trump election victory would shift America towards isolationism, meaning an electorate largely focused on domestic issues. I have one word. Well, actually a lot, but I'll start with one. Good. While I do not advocate actual isolationism, which would also require economic isolation, I certainly advocate America first and America's, plural, second. Take care of us, take care of our neighbors, and to hell with all the trash canistans around the world. We shouldn't completely ignore the rest of the world, but we shouldn't be spending billions on trash canistans when we are $34 trillion in debt. In a December Reuters-Ipsis poll, Only 6% of respondents nationwide said war and foreign conflicts were the U.S.'s most pressing problem, compared to 11% who cited immigration and 19% who pointed to the economy. 10% of the people cited crime. Personally, I would put socialist policies first, which includes the economy. And foreign affairs would be just behind in second. They go together. They go hand in hand. Funding foreign wars hurts our economy unless you make weapons of mass destructions and like to kill people. Foreign diplomats in Washington are trying to assess a potential Trump second term, believing he would cut defense support to Europe, which he should, further shrink economic ties with China, which he probably should, and use tariffs as a key tool of his foreign policy, which I support if it helps our neighboring countries, which would also help with immigration. A Chicago Council poll showed that 53% of Republicans thought the U.S. should stay out of world affairs, the first time a majority of either party backed such an isolationist stance in the council's polls going back to 1974. I never even heard of the Chicago Council, but apparently they've been around for a long time. Mark me as an independent who believes the same. However, let me add a disclaimer. Non-interference does not make one an isolationist. 
Isolationism would also require not doing business with most other nations. All I want is non-interference when it comes to foreign wars. Republican respondents to a recent U.S. Ipsos poll, perhaps the same one, showed only one in three backing sending weapons to Ukraine and just one in five when both weapons and money were involved. Not even half of Republicans supported sending weapons to Israel with support even lower for both money and weapons. While this show may not have a huge listenership, and I certainly don't, I'd like to think my opinion at least is getting out there through word of mouth, even if some of the people aren't tuning in. New story number two. This is out of Caracas. Venezuela's economy grew more than 5% in 2023 and growth will reach 8% this year, according to President Nicolas Maduro. Venezuela's economy has suffered for years, oftentimes marked by triple-digit inflation. As a result, a mass exodus of millions seeking better prospects has occurred, many of them trying to make it here. Inflation reached just under 190% at one point last year, a lot higher than the 9% we had a couple years ago, according to the central bank. Maduro stated, quote, In 2024, we will continue the policy of stoking national production, of recovering national income, and recovering income for workers. For this year, we project a gross domestic product growth of about 8%, unquote, which follows growth of 15% in 2022. Inflation is expected to be down into double digits. First, I can't even imagine three-digit inflation rates. And why are things improving? Four words. Sanctions that are lower. State oil company PDVSA contributed $6.23 billion to the country's coffers last year and expects a 27% increase on top of that this year. Again, why? Again, sanctions that are lower. The U.S. relaxed some of its sanctions on Venezuela at least until this upcoming April which has allowed for increased prices on Venezuelan crude, which in turn leads to more spending in Venezuela as it finds its way through the economy. The money helps to fund salaries, health care, education, and housing. Oil income had previously been battered by low production due to deteriorated infrastructure and lack of investment, Due to sanctions, Maduro's administration estimates total spending in 2024 will be equivalent to $20.5 billion, and 58% of that is due to income from oil exports and taxes paid by PDVSA, and they can make more when there are no sanctions. In addition, last month, President Alzheimer's granted clemency to a Maduro ally in exchange for the release of 10 Americans and at least 24 opposition-linked Venezuelans. So maybe they get a more fair election. Probably not. But like I always say, sanctions don't work. 
Here's an example of why they don't work. Here's an example of why the federal overlord should not impose sanctions on another country or government, whether we like the regime or not. We ease sanctions, Venezuela receives an economic boost, and hopefully less people find it necessary to want to leave the country. Again, let's quit spending money in all the trash canistans halfway around the world and help our neighbors. The southern tip of Florida is closer to Venezuela than it is to Boston. New story number three. In the first American beggar story, student and legal advocacy groups are petitioning the U.S. Department of Agriculture to lift the interview requirement for Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, SNAP, otherwise known as food stamps, applications to receive food aid. So yes, those who wish to suck off the tit of the overlords and the state syndicates want to make that process even easier. What else is new? The groups argue the interview requirement is burdensome. <gasps> uh, guess what? It should be when you're looking for freebies. And that it prevents those who qualified for food aid from receiving it. No, it doesn't. With some exceptions. The National Student Legal Defense Network, the Center for Law and Social Policy, and the California Student Aid Commission are among the organizations calling for its removal. I emphasize the word student and social because students today, at least many of them, have been brainwashed by their robot masters controlling the classrooms of high schools and colleges. Basically, what they are looking for is the continuation of COVID policies when the government handed out food stamps like Epstein handing out children. Quote, during COVID-19, they allowed people to be automatically recertified to continue their benefits instead of using an appointment in person to determine eligibility, unquote, said 24-year-old student Aviana Kamani. Also, quote, I wonder why we can't continue that way to ensure people don't lose benefits, unquote. Maybe because people like you like to suck off the overlord's boobies instead of working however long it takes to get what you want. Kamani admits to leaving the program because of the difficulty of scheduling the mandated recertification interview. In other words... I guess you really didn't need it or you would have made the time for the interview. Some of the interviews can be done by phone, said Kamani. Quote, you don't get to pick the time, it's just given to you. And usually since it's during the day, it can inconvenience you if you work or go to school. You also don't know how long the call will be. If I didn't have to go through the screening process, I definitely would have been on benefits longer, unquote. So in other words, the inconvenience was too much hassle to keep sucking from the trough of laziness. Good. Student Defense President Aaron Ament 
said the organization hears too often about obstacles students face to scheduling the required SNAP interviews when juggling schoolwork, a job, and child care or elder care. Well, guess what, Aaron? When one is sucking off the taxpayer tit, freebies should be extremely inconvenient to get. It helps keep those who don't really need it away. Even I'll stand in line for a free sandwich, but I'm not filling out a two-page form in order to get that sandwich. Inconvenience should always be a part of getting government funds and sucking off the taxpayer tit. Plain and simple. With that, it's time to take a short break. I'll be back shortly. Only 15% of podcasters will ever earn a single penny in profit. Yet more continue to record for one reason. They enjoy informing and entertaining. If you'd like to support this show, visit newsfolder19.com and click on the Buy Me a Coffee or Merchandise links. All donations are greatly appreciated. Now, back to the show. Hello and welcome back to News Folder 19. Do my usual shout out to Dan Heim, the provider of the background music in this show. I get to use it for nothing as long as I give them a shout out. And to Susan Kennedy, who does the voiceovers. In addition, please consider visiting CampRidger.net. That's CampRidger, R-I-D-G-E-R.net. And support the sponsor of this show. They make great spices. News story number four. In the next American beggar story, chairman of the top tax policy committee in Congress announced a bipartisan agreement to enhance the child tax credit and revive a variety of tax breaks for businesses, a combination designed to attract support from lawmakers and both political parties. And guess what? Like in the last story, they want to revert to COVID days when the overlords handed out money like beauty companies handed out makeup so Bruce could look like Caitlin. The agreement was announced by Senators Ron Wyden, the Democrat chairman of the Senate Finance Committee, and Representative Jason Smith, the Republican chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee, which I might add is proof that both parties like to hand out money, especially in an election year. Gotta buy those votes or I won't have my cozy job anymore. Wyden said his goal, other than to get votes, (laughs) I just threw that in there, he didn't say that, is to gain approval for the measure in time for business and families to benefit during the upcoming filing season. The Internal Revenue Service will begin accepting and processing tax returns on January 29th, so lawmakers are looking to move the bill as quickly as possible. Excuse me, but I believe that there is a line in the Constitution about creating laws ex post facto. In other words, retroactively. 
Not that we ever abide by the Constitution anymore in this country, but it is there when they find it convenient to find it there. The Center on Budget and Policy Priorities, a liberal think tank, or more accurately, a socialist think tank, projected that about 16 million children in low-income families would benefit from the child tax credit expansion. Hmm, could this be a proposal to help those too damn lazy to show up for a food stamp interview? Just, just wondering. Quote, Given today's miserable political climate, it's a big deal to have this opportunity to pass pro-family policy that helps so many kids get ahead, unquote, Wyden said in a statement announcing the deal. Here's a novel idea. How about if we quit using the supposed suffering of children to pass more and more socialist agendas? We're already $34 trillion in debt that will never, ever be paid, and we all know it. We can't afford it. If I didn't have a part in making the kids, I shouldn't have to support them. It's that simple. And if you didn't have a part in making a child, you shouldn't have to support them either. Naturally, Republicans were focused on tax breaks for businesses that they said would help grow the economy. That yeah, I am for. After all, as I have stated numerous times on this podcast, businesses do not pay taxes. But instead of giving them tax breaks, let's just eliminate their taxes. Businesses don't pay them. You do. Through higher prices. Consumers pay taxes. Businesses do not, no matter how the tax laws are laid out. And last but not least in beggar news, news story number five. The late Gogebic Chamber of Commerce sent out a relief appeal to the state of Michigan asking for any emergency funds to support the revenue loss the businesses faced during the last two months because nature provided them with no snow or cold weather, which meant no snowmobiler or ice fisherman traffic. In other words, what they are asking, quote, if nature won't provide us with a living, the state syndicate should, unquote. No. Part of running a business is planning for the future. Like any good household, a business should have at least three months of expenses put away for emergencies. The taxpayer should not have to pay a damn penny because you decide to start a business that depends on Mother Nature to cooperate. It's bad enough farmers want subsidies to cover their crop insurance, but at least they can argue that food is a necessity. Snowmobiling is not. The owners of one of the lodges purchased the lodge in 2012, and after renovating one of the buildings into a full restaurant, the doors opened in 2020. To make a long story short, they were hit by COVID like all restaurants and have had a difficult time since. Quote, we keep on taking punches, Unquote, they said. I can understand that. I can accept that. 
but that doesn't give you the right to suck off the taxpayer, many of whom are in the same financial situation as you. Enough with looking to government bailouts. If you need money, do what people did in the old days. Get a loan from a bank. If you can't get one, maybe it's because you don't deserve the loan. Part of the statement sent to the state of Michigan by the Lake Gugebic Chamber of Commerce on behalf of numerous businesses stated, quote, Without snowmobiles, skiers, ice fishermen, snowshoers, and out-of-state tourists, these businesses cannot generate revenue to pay bills, employees, vendors, and all other service-related partners, unquote. I'm sorry, but it's immoral to make our trials and tribulations the trials and tribulations of others. Find other ways to bring tourists in. Maybe do a poker run, but use cars instead of snowmobiles. Hold a chili cook-off. Host a craft show. It took me 10 seconds of looking online to discover that the Upper Peninsula Publishers and Authors Association announced the 5th Annual UP Notable Books List earlier this month. Maybe you can organize a book signing. The point is... Use your imagination, not the government, in order to make a damn living like people used to do. Quit begging off the government. Quit turning America into a beggar nation because for all intents and purposes, that is what we have become. Half of Americans get a government check of some type that does not include Social Security. Half of Americans at least adult Americans. That is a ridiculous figure. It needs to stop. With that, I called another podcast. You know the mantra. Question authority and always be free. Thank you for listening to News Folder 19. All rights are reserved and unauthorized use is prohibited. However, you may share the podcast links. Till next time, have a great day.